Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Riders and Fighters, a podcast. I'm your host, AJ Ortega. Every week on this show, I interview someone in the riding world or someone in the fighting world. This is episode 33, and I have someone from the fighting world on today, specifically independent pro wrestling, and even more specifically, Lucha Libre style. Today, I interview TJ Corison, a cameraman for LLE, Lucha Libre Entertainment, in El Paso, Texas, the Sun City, the 915, which is my hometown. And this is actually round two with TJ, as he was on episode 12. So go and listen to that if you haven't already. I invited him on again to talk about being a cameraman and his thoughts on a few topics in the current wrestling landscape. But before the interview with professional wrestling videographer TJ Corson, I want to talk about a couple of the upsets at UFC 265. One of the upsets for me anyway was on the main card, Tisha Torres fighting against Angela Hill. I like Angela Hill a lot. She's a very active fighter. I think one year she fought six times in a year. She's crazy. She's good. To be honest, I don't ever see her being championship level, barely breaking the top 10 here and there. But that won't be happening because Tisha Torres beat her. Unanimous decision, three round. Torres dominating all three rounds. Michael Chiesa got choked out by Vicente Luque with a Darce choke. Very impressive. Luque was in a Rear naked choke a couple times, getting close, and uh, escaped it, and ended up choking out Chiesa. Very impressive, although I wanted Chiesa to win that one. And then Aldo over Munoz, I picked that one correctly. That was not an upset for me. But then Cyril Gahn, the French dude, TKO'd Derek Lewis from Houston, Texas. And Derek Lewis is such a likable guy, very impressive heavyweight, and largely because of his strength and power in his hands. Cyril Gunn, though, was just more prepared. He's faster and more technical and picked his shots. And Derek Lewis was getting frustrated, but the better fighter won there. And I was looking forward to Derek Lewis fighting Francis Ngannou for the championship. This was for an interim championship, so basically the number one contender. This is going to be the better fight now. Cyril Gan and Francis Ngannou is going to be the better fight than Derek Lewis and Ngannou too. Their first fight was heavily criticized for being tremendously slow-paced. Cyril Gaon is an exciting fighter for heavyweight. He doesn't move like a heavyweight. He moves like a light heavyweight. So that was an impressive win, although he upset the Texas guy from Houston, Derek Lewis. So yeah, uh, I only picked two out of five fights correctly there on the main card. So shows you what I know about MMA. All right, y'all. So that's a little bit of UFC talk. In any case, here's the interview with TJ Corison, Tom Puppet, cameraman for... Lucha Libre Entertainment in El Paso, Texas. Enjoy. All right, y'all. This is the interview portion of the show. And I have a familiar face in front of me on Zoom calling from the great city of El Paso, Texas. TJ Corson, the gringo warrior. Tom Puppet. How you doing, buddy boy? 
Doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. I'm hanging in there. I had a question. I was just thinking about it. I love the the Tom Puppet name, and I think mm-hmm. it's just like a cool moniker to have. And that it's not, you know, your your true name. And when you're like a, even a pseudo public figure, like people that have online content, you don't want maybe have all your stuff out there. I like Tom Puppet. Where the hell did that nickname come from? So, because <laughs> your first name is Thomas, I've had the, TJ is Thomas, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where the Tom comes from, and. um I always used that online back in like the AOL instant messenger days and stuff like that. I always call myself Tom. So that way no one could find me. And I always needed that last name because people, I guess, wanted to try to find me. And my name, Corson, is super rare. Like everybody can find it very easily. So I was like, you know what? Let me come up with something random. And I had nothing. I was using just like Smith, Jones, whatever. (laughs) And a buddy, for whatever reason, just said, oh, you're Thomas Puppet. And I was like, okay. And it always stuck with me. I was like, that's so random. And then I just shortened it to Tom Puppet. And I was like, I like this name. Yeah. And it's always just kind of been there. No, it's a it's a good name. And, uh, you know, for those of the people that are not familiar with you, you need to go back and listen to episode 12 of this. This is round two with TJ Corris and round two with Tom Puppet, who is a pro wrestling videographer. He's a cameraman for the independent wrestling scene there, mostly in El Paso, Texas. So how has life been since we recorded that episode 12 back in March? Not too bad, actually. Recorded for a couple other companies here, not just the Lucha League. Uh, I'm sorry, the Lucha Libre Entertainment is the primary one, but uh, also with Lucha League and then with uh, Journalina Championship Wrestling as well. They've come through here a couple times. I've got to record for them. So it's been pretty good. That's good, man. I think it's really cool that you are recording like only lucha style stuff. That's yeah. interesting to me. Are there like American style products there in El Paso as well? Not as much anymore. There used to be when I first started. They had um, XCW, which was primarily Americanized sure. wrestling, but now it's pretty much lucha libre all around. And so, growing up in El Paso, you're used to being in spaces where you're going to have to navigate Spanish-speaking people you're interacting with, right? So maybe promoters oh, yeah. and things like this. I think you should start going by Gringo Warrior, man. I think they'd love it. <laughs> See, I wanted to do Gringo Warrior, but I don't want to stand out too much. I guess. I mean, I'm already six foot four, white with a beard. It's very noticeable. <laughs> so maybe I'll get a shirt with it on or something like a little lucha mask, Gringo Warrior, something like that. No, oh, yeah, dude, that's a. A little inside joke going way back when with you and I. Uh, oh. Tell me about these recent gigs you've had, man, because there are some some cool ones. Uh, saw Psycho Clown just recently uh, this morning on your uh, YouTube stuff. Yeah. Tell me about the recent gigs you've had and and how they've gone. Yeah, they've been going pretty well for the most part. For whatever reason, a couple of companies are wanting to put more photographers around the ring and they've been getting in my way, which is pissing me off. But for the most part, it's been going really well. Uh, like you said, we had Psycho Clown and Rhea Scorpion just fight this past weekend, and they're actually going to be fighting at Triple Mania mm-hmm. as well in a hair versus mask match. Oh, good. They're so getting the those reps in. Yeah. Exactly. Trying to see what works, what doesn't. So it's kind of cool to be able to see that. I've had uh, Stephanie Vaquer, who's a female wrestler in CMLL, making a name for herself. Great. She's come through a couple times. Uh, Tejano Jr. from Lucha Underground. Huge. He's come through a couple times. Super good dude. And a few others like that. But no, it's been pretty fun. The crowds are hot, man. They're, El Paso loves its wrestling, and 
post-pandemic, they love everything live right now, dude. It's great. No, oh, yeah. Cities always go through their kind of waves of, uh, you know, wrestling being kind of hot. And I remember there was a lull. There was like hardly any independent wrestling. I'm talking 20 years ago, you know. There might yeah. be one, one promotion kind of having regular shows and stuff like this and having to seek it out before social before social media marketing was such an easy way to find events and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, El Paso... El Paso crowds for pro wrestling are are great, and particularly lucha style. You know, I mean, I have great yeah. memories of going to lucha sto- shows with you. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of the time we went to one. I'm gonna tell a quick story where it was at some like dingy bar, maybe 50 people there, I, yeah. and there was like a chain match, and the one luchador ended up getting tossed over the top rope and hung. Three feet in front of us by the chain. <laughs> Blood everywhere. And, yeah. And he's hanging a man in front of us, and we're like, whoa, mm-hmm. we're in the front row. <laughs> that was a good one, man. That was the one where uh, Mascarita uh, headlined, right? Mascarita Sagrada? Yeah. 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 That's right. I remember when he was choking him, it was you, me, Jose was there, and, and a few of our friends, and the, the dude choking the other guy, uh, Mexican dude, just looking like a big Mexican deal, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. Voy a matar este pinche perro, looking right at us. I'm going to kill this fucking dog. And we're like, what? That's so good. Like, again, going all out, giving us a fucking show, man. That was that yeah. was a really good one. Um, I think, I think that, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I think that was the same show where you started handing chairs to the guy and you just started throwing them on top of his opponent, too. Yeah. And he threw yeah. like 20 chairs right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And people. Again, that don't know that you need to move out of the way when the wrestlers are coming because they ain't stopping. It's like, yeah, I'm just like, move. They're going to yeah. shove people out of the way, and there they go tumbling into our chairs, uh, mm-hmm. getting, getting our money's worth for sure. Exactly. Um, I've had to do that a few times recording where I'll be in front of it getting ready to film the shot, and then I'm holding the camera with my right hand and my left hand. I'm going like, get the hell out of the way, like moving it as hard as I can right, to get people's attention. Shot. Yeah, great, great. It's, it's funny, man. Yeah. And so being a, a fan, again, that's a quick story of us enjoying it as a fan. And we can take in the action, get the story and and enjoy it. Do you get to enjoy a good wrestling match as you record? Or do you have to like focus on your job of capturing the action first and foremost? Um, it's It's a lot harder to enjoy in the moment because I'm making sure, okay, I want to make sure I get this next shot and I'm not getting lost in everything. Because I've done it a few times where I'm like, oh, these two dudes are battling in the middle, not realizing there's a guy on the top about to jump on top of both of them and stuff like that. Right. And I hate when I miss awesome shots like that. I really do. Because you can so, anticipate that as somebody who observes wrestling and knows the, the, the art form and everything. Exactly. That you can pick that up. So when you do miss it because you're locked in on the action like a fan. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to appreciate a good live match when I'm working, but... Luckily, I get to go home and I got the entire match right there in front of me. So I just watch it afterwards and I'm like, oh, that was so much better than I thought. No, yeah, that's that's great. Because I was going to say that, you know, because of what you do, you get to go back and you can watch it without being, you know, inhibited by your camera in your hand and just sit in front Mm -hmm. of your computer and watch it, right? Exactly. Luckily, there's no commentary or anything like that so with the headphones on the monitor in front of me i can completely submerge myself as if i was right there and remember what it felt like what it smelled like what the crowd all that stuff yeah and yeah it's still i can still really get into the matches that way 
Yeah, I guess in a again a, a similar but different context in that we're not working. Like when we watched, like we went to WrestleMania at in 32 in Dallas together, and we watch it without commentary, right? We watch it live, and it's great. And we see this really cool match, and then I watched it again a couple of days later when we got back home and rewatched the event with the commentary and seeing the production and everything. And again, a different experience, right? 100%, and cool 100%. and magical and all in a different way, but that it's a, it, it was a different show when I watched it on yeah. TV, dude. And that was really it interesting. Really was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of WWE like, stuff, have you noticed like the weird, wild editing in WWE specifically lately? I think maybe the last year or so I, I noticed and people have picked up on it and commented on it. This very, TV or movie style cuts like Hollywood fight scenes, right? Where you're cutting every second or, you know, like less than every second sometimes. And it's like you can't orient yourself at points, right? Yeah. Um, I remember I stopped watching most wrestling during the pandemic just because the crowd not being there wasn't fun. But right. I jumped into it for one of the pay-per-views or something. And in a, there was a match. It was a women's match, maybe five minutes long. And I think I counted about 150 different camera cuts sure, I don't in that time, that. which is ridiculous. That is yeah. absolutely insane. I don't know why they're doing that. What I've, I hate it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I absolutely despise it. Um, I don't know who started. I don't know who thinks it's a good idea to zoom in on every stomp, just back and forth, back and forth. That's what that was, headache. Exactly. That's one of the things I was going to get. Every punch or forearm, the camera zooms in with the impact. And I'm mm-hmm. like... That's a weird artificial way to create that additional impact. It's like, well, no, like the guy, if, he, if I hear the smack or we hear the oomph or we see the arm rear back, like we know it's a hard punch. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to add that camera zoom? Like they're giants hitting each other. It looks intense already. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know I'm going to uh, probably kill some of the magic or something, but obviously they're slapping their leg when they punch the guy to get that sound. That should be enough of the impact of like, oh, no, that punch really hurt because it was a loud crack when he popped him. Yeah. Not – you don't need the camera zoom. Right. Um, I know towards the end, like at like the last pay-per-views and stuff, they started – I want to say they intentionally missed shots, but when, like when they would go out of the ring and stuff, and it kind of looked like they were just using crash pads. And I hate that. Yeah. Because I know there was one – it was a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view – and Drew McIntyre, I guess, got knocked off the ring apron through a table. And then when they cut to Drew, yeah, he was on the floor, but you can see you can literally see somebody under the ring throwing out wood pieces like he went through the table. It oh, looked no. so unbelievably horrible. Oh no. And I was just like, what this isn't Hollywood, guys. What, even, even if it was Hollywood, do it right. Well, at and, least. And that's the thing, is that like, well, the WWE, that product is trying to be Hollywood, you know, I think that yeah. is what the what that tells us about that editing is that they are going for more of that TV action show, right? Very much wanting to be another serialized show that looks this way and feels this way, you know. Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah, no, other I... other promotions do kind of park the camera, right? Not completely stationary, but like mm-hmm. it's less um, disorienting, right? Yeah. And I get that, you know, having multiple cameras and production and thing that's cool without overdoing it to where it's distracting right exactly i mean i think if wb wanted to go hollywood style that's fine they can do their thing but still present it as a sporting event because it's still sports entertainment 
have the sports look with all the entertainment stuff behind it. You can still make the vignettes backstage look amazing, very Hollywood, um, like Lucha Underground did back in the day. Right. Do that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the actual match, just keep it simple, make it look like a sporting contest still. And I think everything would look great. It'd be fine. Well, I think that's, you know, uh, speaks to their, the third brand, right? The NXT that, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's less of that because it is a little bit more stripped down. It does focus more on the technical wrestling in the ring. And so, and it still has the very over the top characters and all the very production, WWE production stuff. And I think that's, you know, that, that kind of happy medium because they got WWE money, right? And WWE talent. And they put on a pretty damn good show. Uh, mm-hmm. And it looks distinctly different. It looks, It feels different than Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, exactly. It looks alone. It reminds me of the late 90s WCW and stuff like that, where it's just like we have our couple cameras and the right. guys in the ring, and that's all we need. It's easy. And that's why I like to, you know, NWA's uh, power also, like a kind yes. of an old school weird studio show, right? Oh, yeah. And it, it looks was great. Like, so cool. It's a really cool mm-hmm. way to present uh, again, this kind of wrestling that we'd like. Again, we we're watching it for a story. We're watching it to see, you know, good triumph over evil kind of stuff. Very, it's not that exactly. complicated. So, I think it's nope. cool that we have options. You know, I think it's very cool that we got options. Oh hell yeah, man! I'm I'm always one of those guys. Like the more wrestling, the better. Even if I don't like most of the wrestling, I'm I'm all for it being there. Exactly, exactly. So, it becomes too often that you and I, again independent of this podcast and stuff just in our lives i'll shoot you a text or you'll shoot me a text every couple months because some wrestler died and you mm-hmm. I'd take a screenshot of this headline and i send it over to you or you'll send it to me and be like oh great then i go google it myself and i'm like oh so and so passed away i think at least since we last talked paul orndorff uh, new jack and super porky passed away and yep. as you know we got old school WWF guy like Orndorff, you got a guy on the fringes like New Jack and Extreme Wrestling, and then a Lucha staple. You know, mm-hmm. again, I saw him tagging with Octagon every fucking weekend when I was a kid. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. So, w- what about those specifically? Were you a fan of Orndorff coming up? Because we only saw the tail end of his WWF stuff. Yeah, really. I wasn't a fan of him because. I was huge Hogan. Anybody who fought against Hogan was right. garbage as a kid. <laughs> Looking back though, dude was great. He yeah. was so, oh, he was so easy to hate and it was great for that reason. But new Jack, new Jack was one of my guys. I always liked him because he was insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New Jack was a big part of our coming up and seeing the other kinds of wrestling that existed and how mm-hmm. far can things go? New Jack was one of those guys that I'm seeing things I've never seen, blurring these weird lines of reality and authenticity, right? And he has mm-hmm. this really kind of crazy persona as himself. And so at bringing that into the ring, yeah, he's he's a crazy, unique personality. Kind of say I agree with everything he's done. But, uh, no. but yeah, as far as wrestling personalities, he was huge. Yeah, he was he was so much fun to watch because he was the epitome of what the hell is this guy going to do next? Because right. you literally never knew. He came down, like for those who don't know, 
he had his music playing the entire match. They never turned it off. And he would come to the ring, usually with a shopping cart and a trash can full of weapons to use. And he would hit you with everything from staple guns, bowling balls, um, cheese graters, kitchen sink, you name it, he's used it. It's insane. And that kind of, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? Right when that music hit? Well, to this day, get my blood pumping, get the goosebumps going. It's just like, oh, here we go. It's New Jack's about to kill somebody. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Yeah. I heard from a friend that's a former wrestler over on the East Coast, and he uh, said he did a – either they worked with New Jack or New Jack did like a clinic with them even, like a little workshop or something like that. And that New Jack was really big. Like they spent like the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes on like the collar elbow tie-up. And that mm-hmm. he was, like, getting super, like, technical. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, he has – they were like, oh, no, he has that side of him that he understands. This guy, he's just a fucking animal in these other ways, you know. But but he was very adamant about this is how you do the – put your arm here and make it look. And the most fundamental of starting a match, right, that collar elbow tie-up, very vintage-style yep. start, and that he was, like, old school about, like, drilling that. I was like, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. That yeah, he grew up, or he got his first break, what was it, in uh, Memphis with Cornette. Cornette, yeah. Yeah, he was always one of those Cornette guys, and Cornette wouldn't have looked at him twice if he didn't have those fundamentals. So he was... And then uh, uh, Mustafa? From a f- um, what's his, or, uh, yeah. yeah. I think it was Mustafa. But yeah, he was very, like, you need to get the techniques down first and foremost before you do anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't know how to do a collar elbow tie-up, no one's going to care what your chemi- what your character is. Your, your garbage Cornette's in the ring. Super old school, and so yeah, there has to yeah. be real wrestling still. Yeah. Yep. And, and New Jack, I've heard from many people that he was like that. Just very fundamental first, everything second. Yeah, that he could you know work a match like a typical oh, yeah. match. And then the latest one, uh, just a couple weeks ago, Super Porky. <laughs> super Chubby Porky. Dude, yeah, he that one broke my heart because. He was one of the very first guys that I ever like remembered when it came to Lucha Libre stuff. Like watching it on like the bootleg Mexican channels here in El Paso. Yeah. I'd see him I was like, who is this like mm-hmm. fat dude who's like four foot nine, this tiny bit fat dude, just killing it and everybody loved him. It was yeah. so super over. I was like, How like why? <laughs> and I was just enamored by him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't realize he was so young though. Because he looked 58, 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, yeah, he, again, he was just one of those guys that was week in and week out on the Lucha Libre uh, on the weekend, mm-hmm. watching it every morning, uh, every uh, Saturday or Sunday morning. Yeah, tagging, usually tag tag matches, usually a, a tag match or a six-man tag, as they do in Lucha uh, pretty often. And yeah. usually working with uh, Octagon and stuff like this and... Yeah, always being like, how did this guy end up in wrestling? And uh, yeah. but hanging with everybody and and getting you know yeah, pretty dude. close to top billing, you know. Yeah, man, he was he was awesome. Um, I just found out the other day that he's actually Psycho Clown's dad. Like, I honestly didn't know that, and I was like, oh shit, because yeah. we were at the show. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And they did a big um, memorial for him there. It was real beautiful. But I was just like, holy crap! Like, I had no idea. And body wise. No, you would never guess that. At least I wouldn't have. And so with wrestling deaths, again, as wrestling fans, it's something, you know, we're, I would say, 
more accustomed to than people that, you know, when we lose people in our music fandom, right, or actors and things like this, we just deal with it more. We just deal yeah. with it more as wrestling fans. Which wrestling death hit you the the hardest as a fan? The one that hit me by far the hardest was Macho Man, Randy Savage. That really? one that one was such a gut punch. Yeah. Um, like it, I remember waking up and I was having a decent day and I started getting a couple of texts. I think you might've texted me and a couple other people were like, yo, I think Macho died. And I was like, no, he didn't, whatever. Start Googling it like we all do. And I was like, oh shit. And like the day stopped. I was like, I don't care about anything today. I just, this sucks. Oh, like, and it the circumstances so were so bad. It's like he, like a heart attack or something, some kind of um, a health issue when he was driving mm-hmm. and crashed, right? Yeah, it was a heart attack while driving. Ended up crashing into a tree. Fuck. And it was like right after he married his high school sweetheart, and his life was finally he finally accepted life after wrestling, and mm-hmm. that's when it happened, mm-hmm. which yeah. was heartbreaking. Um, of course, being from El Paso, Eddie Guerrero, yeah, that one sucked. That one sucked really bad. A weird one, yeah. Yeah, that one. This um, is a real one, yeah. Yep, a few others, uh, but. Eddie and Macho are the two that really stick out. And of course, Owen. Right. When Owen passed away, that one was that one was just bizarre because no one knew what the hell happened. Yeah, we were watching that one at a friend's house, the pay-per-view, the Owen one, the over the uh, over the edge, right? Yeah, and just like how awkward it kind of unfolded, you know? And mm-hmm. But yeah, it's one of those things that as a wrestling fan, it's just so you know, we can't go a month or two without Somebody pretty high profile, you know, not just passing away, but young, right? And we know these stories a lot. But yeah, the Eddie one was the one for me, for sure. Yeah, it sucks. There's a while there, though, in the early 2000s, where it was like, we couldn't go a couple weeks without another one ended up dying. It was like, are you kidding me? Again? And it was, it sucked, man. It's like, all right, great. Who's next? So we're talking about a couple of things like wrestling deaths and dark stuff like that and untimely deaths. We were having a text exchange about the Dark Side of the Ring series. And I think they have really good production. I think they talk to the right people in the industry. I also think it's really cool how they include like the families. And from what I hear like on online and reports, as it were, that the families are happy to contribute and happy with the product and stuff like that. Because I'm always skeptical about like true mm-hmm. crime-ish stuff because there's victims involved and people that are affected very, you know, uh, intensely by this stuff. And I think they do it very respectfully, you know. At least this program gives them like a voice, you know, and at least a, a, ver- a way to tell their story. So have you – you've been watching pretty much all of them, right? I haven't completely finished the third season yet, but yeah, I'll, the first couple seasons, they've all been great. There's not really a bad episode of Dark Side of the Ring at all. And so one of the ones I thought was great was the Brian Pillman one, which was a two-parter, right? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. one I thought was, again, that was a lot more of a complex story than I thought, you know? And I think that was, again, a super hard story to tell, but a necessary one, I think. And finally, you know, his family got their story out there in an authentic way. I think the Pillman one was, was definitely interesting. It was one of my favorite ones for sure. Just the fact that I didn't know a whole lot about Pillman before his WWF stuff. Like I knew him as part of the hard foundation and kind of the loose cannon fighting with Austin and all that stuff. Right. But 
I didn't realize that he had that many demons and the sure. the alcoholism and the after the ankle injury and just everything sucks and just that mental downward spiral that he had. It was it was crazy. Yeah, crazy to see. So it's like, oh yeah, he's he's playing a character or whatever. He's not really like this behind the scenes. He was way worse behind the scenes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he was almost toned down um, when in, in the wrestling world. Yeah, yeah, and that's that never happens. You always pick it up in the wrestling world. You always want to get like you go over the top. You're a hundred. You're your character or what? How do they say it? Like you're yourself time like turned up to eleven right, or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You exaggerate he's what like, you oh, have me, inside you. Yeah. Exactly. And Pillman was like, "Well, let me tone this back to like a six, just in case." And I was like, "Wait, what? No." <laughs> yeah, he but, was. Um, yeah, really interesting character and really one of the first ones to kind of try to blur that line of that reality and the fiction that we see on the screen, right? And mm-hmm. we've seen other people do that since then, you know, the the Stone Colts and the CM Punks and things like this, right? But he seemed to be kind of like the genesis of that, you know, trying to hold companies over each other and kind of you know, all these kinds of things. Uh, I, I thought that that was really... We like to say, you know, certain people were ahead of their time. I actually think he was, you know, because we now that is integral to wrestling now. That like oh, now 100%. we have to blur that line, you know, hundred percent, and bring in he, actuality into the fiction, you know. Yeah, he's the only guy I can think of post internet that has done that well, right? Where it's like, oh no, he we don't know what the hell he's doing. He might go talk to them. He might not. He's getting out of his contract to go here just to raise his money so we can get more money at WCW or whatever. Before that, yeah, you had like your kayfabe, but no one really talked about it. Right. Pillman was just like, no, we're, everybody knows this is a work or it's a, sh- uh, yeah, work. Everybody knows they're getting worked over, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to blur that line and make people think, oh no, he's legit insane. He d- He's just doing whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. It was It was perfect. It was fantastic. I wish more wrestlers would do that properly now (laughs) no yeah yeah well speaking of current wrestlers you know uh we'll bring it to Mm -hmm. more recent kind of news in the wrestling world you see that bray wyatt got released right you sent me that one you sent me that one Mm -hmm. you texted that to me and i was like oh boy is there a more underutilized talent you know in the last couple years or several years that was a weird shocking one you know i'm still lost for words and that happened about a week ago I I can't I always try to look at the and just my life in general both sides of the coin sure it's like yeah it sucks but they did it for this reason I can't see the other side of the coin I'm like yeah they got rid of him why the dude was pure money he was an ATM dude you can take as much as you want out of him and he was just going to get more yeah the, it was insane the fiend character again they put a lot of promotion into that and uh, mm-hmm. remember that weird spot they had like like they flashed his face on some uh what network like during like a football game or something remember that yeah they're like on fox yeah on Fo- yeah and like whoa to promote smackdown coming out exactly yep. and it was like really cool kind of viral marketing that they were trying and invested a lot that's my thing if i'm thinking about it mm-hmm. as a business person i'm like no we invested so much in wyatt and the fiend why would i let that go right exactly Exactly, and it's not like it didn't pay out for him like we've seen other wrestlers before where they pump in a bunch of money and it falls flat. No, people were the Fiend for the was, Oh, yeah, no, they loved him. He was super, super loved by everybody. The, like, when you're in the middle of a match and all of a sudden things start, like, 
the lights would start shutting down. Everybody's like, oh shit, here we go. Fiend's coming out. He's going to, he's going to do his stuff. Everybody loved it. And they were all excited for his comeback because we haven't seen him since April at WrestleMania. Right. And then they just release him. It's like, what the hell? This guy got like, he was a cult leader and he got <laughs> turned into, I guess like a Peewee's playhouse kind of guy. And everybody's like, oh, this is stupid. And three months later, it's the best thing on Raw. Everybody's like, we need to see what Bray White's going to do. Like, yeah, the we Firefly Funhouse was some of the coolest yeah. shit on TV. So cool, man. It was super dope. Yeah. And yeah, the the Wyatt family, then the more recent stuff, the the Fiend just seems so useful, right? Again, it's easy, he's uh-huh. a good tool to get people over, right? We saw how they did that with Seth Rollins with him, right? And we can complain about that, yep. but he's still a tool. I get that. He's, a, he's something that you have to... Uh, utilize and I thought they were doing it you know even if I did have issues with the booking of the fiend or whatever it's like well at least they're using yep. him at least they're using him whatever and now they're not he's released he ain't getting a paycheck from him um, exactly and then again the rumors and whatnot of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan potentially going to AEW which may or may not be a done deal and things like that yeah, I just think it's a, a, a really crazy time because those are three huge names. I'm very uh, – I, I don't want Punk and Brian to go to AEW. Not because I want them back in WWE to stay where they belong or whatever. I don't want AEW to become like WCW where they just start bringing in these guys who haven't wrestled in a while instead of pushing new talent and making new stars. Right. Because that's exactly what WCW did with when they kept bringing in Piper and Warrior and sure. having Hogan in the top. It's like I've seen that show already. Give me enough. Of, give me something new. Right. Push the Jungle Boy. Push Darby. Push all those guys. Right. And I think that there's a place for you know again veterans like CM Punk, Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan, you know, Jericho and whatnot, and you know Sting, Sting and pairing him up with. Darby, like I haven't kept up with that, but I think that's interesting. I think it's a great way to utilize Sting. They get a good amount of these veterans, but I, my worry is like that takes time on the screen away from again these young cats, right? Darby Allen, MJF, and and whoever else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that are oh yeah, like new this- faces, you know? Yeah, like what they're doing. I have a lot of problems with the AEW in general, just just cause. But um, the way they're handling MJF with feuding with Chris Jericho puts MJF on that same level, which is perfect. That's what Great. you should do: make I him agree. the most hated man in the company. That's perfect. The way they're using Matt Hardy to get another tag team up and going, beautiful. Right. I love it. It's two young guys, very reminiscent of the Hardy Boys back in like '97. Beautiful, love it. The way they're doing Sting and Darby, love it. It's fantastic. Right. But I don't see them doing that with Punk. He's, you can't put anybody with CM Punk. He doesn't need anybody. Yeah, my Daniel worry, Bryan that, doesn't need anybody. Yeah, my worry <laughs> is that these guys come in and they're either aligned or adversaries and they're working somehow together or with Jericho. And I'm like, but we've I've seen CM Punk work Jericho. I've seen Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan work CM Punk. Like, like that's not interesting to me, you know. Daniel exactly. Bryan and MJF sounds interesting, right? CM Punk and Darby Allen sounds interesting. But is that what's going to happen if they do end up there in AEW? So 
I mean, I guess time will tell, you know, and who knows how yeah. long that'll be. Is it a, will, will it be, hey, we'll get CM Punk for half a year for a program and he'll go back to doing his own thing like he likes to do? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we'll see how it unfolds. Again, like you said earlier in the program, that the more wrestling there is, the better, the better it is for the wrestling landscape. But my exactly. fear is I just don't want it to be WWE light. Same. So last time we talked was in March, you know, we talked about the COVID stuff back there in episode 12. What about the potential of like another wave of COVID, which some scientists and researchers believe has started already due to this variant? What about that stuff affecting live wrestling again? I'm terrified of it shutting down shows and they have to go back to like the no fan shows right because just in general the matches the wrestling has been better i've watched a few shows in front of like the live crowds like raw smackdown and all that stuff and they're better and i don't know if it's because the wrestlers are more pumped up and amped up because they're feeling that crowd again so they're putting in more work but i think like if they go back to no crowds the wrestlers can be like why are we trying and they're gonna get more hollywood more kind of let's cut the corners and right. weird camera shots and oh we could do it this way instead compensate in some ways yeah exactly and it's like if i want to watch action shows there's a million action tv shows out there um if i want to watch wrestling though i want to watch wrestling <laughs> you right. need the crowd for that yeah no yeah it's one of those things that uh time's going to tell on that one but uh you know there's there's already concerns i guess from aew about certain locations they had already venues they were going to do shows at and some of them are already kind of having strict mandates in terms of gatherings and whatnot so in terms of the indie wrestling scene yeah i I hope it's 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 not bad and that way we don't have to be without true wrestling with the crowd again exactly man i i love going to indie shows i truly do i don't care what style of wrestling it is i'll go to deathmatch shows anymore (laughs) like i love live wrestling and i don't want to see that getting taken away again yeah for anything yeah fingers crossed man Mm -hmm. we talked about that dark side of the ring but do you watch any of the other wrestling shows like the fictionalized serial uh kind of dramas like glow or have you heard of that new Heels show that's going to be on Stars? Um, I have heard about Heels. It looks pretty good. It looks interesting. Um, yeah, it really does. Like I saw the I saw the preview or whatever, and I was like, "This all right? Looks like they're taking a more serious approach to it. I like that. Looks really good. Um, Glow was great. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I like cool that show. they got Awesome Kong to be in like one of the main female wrestlers in there oh, and they had a, a bunch great of job when she, they centered on her in that first season. It was just, she's mm-hmm. great. She killed. Oh her. yeah. No, she definitely has some acting chops that I did not expect oh, at she's all. Good. She's good. Oh yeah. And then the fact that they went and got like Chavo and Carlito and a few others to help them with the rest, like with the actual wrestling and taught them how to do this safely and properly. Uh, that was really cool. A lot. And like, you know, then in, in real life, the actual glow show from the 80s, mm-hmm. Hector Guerrero trained them, I believe. Really? Yeah. And so then, know you, you know, and so it's just really interesting that that same family ends up in, in actuality in the show. and Well, not just in the show, but also trained these actresses 
to do this and that. Yeah, uh, I think Chavo did a podcast with someone where he explains all that. Yeah, very cool oh, stuff awesome. though. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I just Glow was really good. It was it was a lot of fun. It was like my wife doesn't really get into wrestling as much as we do, but she was able to watch it and really enjoy it. She's like, oh, this is like a really good story. And yeah, the wrestling stuff is really cool too. But like, she liked all the drama behind it. And I was watching the wrestling st- side of it. It's like, all right, <laughs> Seeing what the are cameos you doing? and shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I popped one of those guys. I was like, ah, I know that guy. It was, it was awesome. Very cool. Yeah, heels, but heels should be good. I heard CM Punk actually helped uh, train with uh, the main guy, uh, Stephen Amell or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've seen Stephen Amell get some wrestling in there already. So I think it's pretty cool that he's attached to it. And I did hear CM Punk being involved as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I don't know. I don't have stars, so I'll have to find a way to, to get that and, and try to watch that, make an effort to watch it because, you know, true wrestlers were uh, involved. And I think it, yeah, there's more eyes on, you know, just the idea of wrestling, even if it's not wrestling proper, right? It's uh, even the fictionalized versions are pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one I'm dying for, and I know they're barely starting to film it and stuff, is the Cassandra movie. I cannot wait for that thing. Right, yeah, the movie based off Cassandro El Exotico, a mm-hmm. legendary queer Mexican wrestler, luchador, just one of the true, true legends. And again, from El Paso Juarez, from mm-hmm. where we're from, and to be played by... Gael Garcia Bernal, one of the best Mexican actors alive right now, and popular ones too, that has been in mainstream uh, Hollywood movies even. Very cool to, for the, for him to be attached to that, and so I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, man, I've been scouring every news site I can find for any kind of details and stuff. Like, I never do that about movies, but this one, I'm like, I want to know where they're at, what they're filming, what they're doing, everything. I can't wait for that movie. Yeah, that's going to be great. So this is the Riders and Fighters podcast. You are involved in the fight world as a cameraman. I asked you last time about your interests in writing and stuff. Have you uh, written anything lately, read anything interesting lately in terms of like books and whatnot? I haven't written anything. I'm I'm definitely not a writer at, yeah. at all. Yeah. But I just picked up Quentin Tarantino's newest or his only book, I guess. He oh, yeah. kind of – the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the movie was all right, but the book, like he, he was on Rogan's podcast talking about how the book kind of expands the universe a little bit. Oh, interesting. And that was interesting to me. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot because I love Tarantino. He's the reason I picked up a camera to begin with. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to cracking that open probably this weekend. Very cool, man. Hell yeah, very cool. And so as far as keeping up with you and the recordings you do, where can we direct people? Best place to go is YouTube, youtube.com slash Tom Puppet. Um, all my wrestling matches are there. I think I just hit over 250 matches total, nice. which is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, 99% of them are Lucha Libre, the two out of three falls, but it's there's some huge names in there. Uh, Thunder Rosa, actually, uh, her match has been climbing a lot of views lately, so that's been oh, pretty great, cool. Oh, great, great. Yeah, she got, she got signed with AEW, so very cool. Bring yeah. those hits to your site. Very cool. Exactly. Um, and then Instagram, at Tom Puppet as well, and then on Twitter, at Tom underscore Puppet, because for whatever reason, Tom Puppet was already taken. Well, let's go find that guy and kick his ass and 
<laughs> You're like, I'm the real Tom Puppet. And then, well. See, I thought that, but he posts a bunch, or he used to post a bunch of like the anonymous stuff. I'm like, I uh, <laughs> don't think I'm going to fuck with this guy. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Very cool. Well, we will yeah. direct people to all the Tom Puppet accounts. Always good to talk to you, TJ. One of my favorite homeboys from back home. And as I start doing a few of these round two with a guest, part of it is to acknowledge and thank you for being one of my early ones because now I'm you know, 30-something episodes deep and uh, ain't stopping anytime soon. So I want to thank you for your contribution earlier and for today's. Oh, man, thank you. You've, uh, you and this podcast have actually opened my eyes to a lot of different writers and uh, different fighters and stuff like that that I would have never known about, even heard about. And I love the interviews you do with some of these guys. I love that you find not just mainstream people, but like people that people in sports that don't get credit, like they like the combat or not combat the um, armor uh, the combat. ones with the swords, armor combat. Yes, thank you. Uh, the fact that you're bringing light to those guys is awesome because everybody sees them thinking like they're dorks and stuff, and yeah. just getting to hear them is like, no, these are legitimate badasses, like both male and female. So. Those episodes awesome do really too. well. Those episodes do really well on here. Dude, they're uh, they they're blew so up. good. Man. Both of them blew up pretty good. And so, yeah, again, the point of the podcast is to promote stuff. That's my thing. It's like I want to talk to interesting people and promote the stuff they got going on. And there are plenty of people that are doing that, right? And I do like to get a range of people. That's uh, that's my interest. My interests are far and wide. You know me. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, again, I, I love you being part of this as well and that in the fight world there's a whole lot more than just the fighters right there's the trainers there's the cameramen there's the ring announcers there's the commentators right and so on and so forth so i like to bring light to that as well because that is a labor that you're doing and i know it's a labor of love and so i want to promote that yeah definitely and uh i speak on behalf of all of the the auxiliary guys when we say thank you like it's awesome to hearing other people put us out there no everybody that makes the shows happen again in addition to the wrestlers just don't get enough credit and it's all a whole team that makes the show happen so yeah your contributions there in el paso especially chronicling it online is super cool dog all right man well i appreciate that all right brother will you take care you as well All right, y'all, I hope you enjoyed that interview with TJ Corson, a.k.a. Tom Puppet, a.k.a. The Gringo Warrior, independent professional wrestling cameraman. Subscribe to him on YouTube. He has matches with some big Lucha Libre names, so I suggest you check that out now that you've listened to the show. That's going to be YouTube.com slash Tom Puppet. You know the man's name. Go over to Instagram at Tom Puppet on Instagram. And lastly, on Twitter, he's on Twitter, at Tom underscore Puppet on Twitter. As far as the podcast, writersandfighters.com has an episode guide. And speaking of episodes, next week, episode 34, that's going to feature Christian Schmidt. He is a ring announcer for professional boxing, MMA, professional wrestling. He's done the amateurs, USA boxing for the amateur level. He's a great ring announcer, good talk, knows a lot about boxing, so stay tuned for that one. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, Instagram, we even got a YouTube channel. Share an episode with a friend. 
aside from that, you guys be good, be safe, take care of each other, and we'll talk next week.